Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer, episode 113. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And this is a special cough-along episode Yes. of Broomsticks and Butterbeer with Dan and Jess. Uh, I don't know if you, some of you are, there, are old enough to remember the, like, smell-o-vision in the theaters that they used to have. They had, like, little scratch-and-sniff things that you would scratch and sniff at certain parts of the movie or... And it made it more interactive. So this is a special cough-along episode because you and I are sick. Yes. We're not the only ones. There was, there was a gathering. No, everybody's sick. Everybody's sick. So I know at least two people will be coughing along with us. Yeah, so I'm very nasally, but a little better than I was this point last week. But uh, there, there's probably going to be some coughing, probably going to be some... Pause some some umbrage, uh, clearing of the throat. There's probably going to be some uh, pausing to uh, blow noses and things like that. They won't know that though. Yeah, but I'm telling them because I'm an honest guy. Full disclosure here: my life's an open book. And uh, today we're going to open the book of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Smooth. Yeah, very smooth. So smooth. Smooth as Tennessee whiskey. Have you had some whiskey yet? Nope. Okay. Nope. Just thought you might want that for your cough. No. Uh, We're going to talk about chapter 20 today, Hagrid's Tale. But before we do that, let's go recap what happened in chapter 19, The Lion and the Serpent. A lot of things happening. Uh, Harry feeling good about holding the secret defense against the dark arts. Class is right under Umbridge's nose. Harry uses some enchanted... I'm sorry, Hermione uses some enchanted fake galleons to let the other students know where the secret, when the secret meetings will continue to be held. Big Quidditch match between Slytherin and Gryffindor coming up. Ron is a mess, super nervous about his first Quidditch match. Luna is supporting Gryffindor and has created a headdress that looks like a lion's head and even roars. The Slytherin students are all wearing badges that say Weasley is our king which ties into a song that the Slytherins sing during the match, basically saying that Ron is so bad of a keeper for the Gryffindor team that he'll actually end up helping Slytherin win. And Ron isn't doing very well, but Harry is able to catch the snitch and win the match for Gryffindor. After the match, however, Draco Malfoy starts taunting Fred, George, and Harry. This sets all three off, but Fred gets held back while George and Harry attack Draco. And as a result... With yet another decree from the Ministry, Dolores Umbridge permanently bans Fred, George, and Harry from Quidditch at Hogwarts. For life. 
Everyone is feeling down at the end of the chapter, but Hermione peeks out the window and notices after a long absence, Hagrid is back at Hogwarts. So let's get into what Hagrid's been doing. Chapter 20, Hagrid's Tale. Harry, Ron, and Hermione gather themselves under the invisibility cloak and head to Hagrid's hut. Uh, Nearly Headless Nick is even humming the Weasley is Our King song, so it must be pretty catchy. That's very disappointing. Yeah, but if it's catchy... No. You know. I've hummed a lot of songs I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, do you have any empty. that come to mind that you find yourself like mindlessly humming? Like with regularity? Mm, no, none that come to mind. There be, uh, there's been some that like come on the radio and I'm like, oh, and bopping along. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I don't like this song. Mm-hmm. I have to click it off. I, uh, so I kind of have a go-to. Yeah. Like when I'm, um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago at C2E2, they had that challenge where if you could hold like a plank, like a push-up position for like three minutes, you got a prize or something like that. It was like some fitness booth or something like that. Yeah, I remember. And so I, I I do planks a lot and to help the time go by, I usually like sing a song in my head. And it's usually Sister Christian by Night Ranger. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Sister Christian, all the time has come. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're <laughs> talking about. I just... Oh, here comes the cough. <coughs> <coughs> Making me laugh. Good heavens. Um. Yeah. I know, I know the song. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's my go-to. I don't think um, I've ever had it like stuck in my head. It's stuck in my head like permanently. I think it's taking up resonance in my brain. When I was, um, you know, when I, I'm, it's kind of the off season right now, but when I travel a lot with the dogs, I listen to audiobooks most of the time. But when I'm not, you have audiobooks in your head. No, I'll listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. Mm. At least the first half of it. I, I don't go past a certain point mm. um you know go past the battle of yorktown <laughs> and there's certain um songs i skip alexa skip track but um yeah there was there was a time we were at a convention and somebody's shirt had like south carolina it was like a sporting team mm-hmm. or something on mm-hmm. it and it like just burst in my head the lyrics from hamilton mm-hmm so I've had that happen where just something, something triggers you, something triggered it. And it's just I trigger had to, warning had to sing the sing the lyrics, the lyrics. Well, Hagrid, uh, when we finally get to see him, he's a bit worse for wear, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of messed up, but it's what? nothing. It's nothing. It's fine. But what's I mean, so he's got like a, a an eye that's like swollen shut. He's got matted blood all in his big frizzy hair. I mean, he looks like he's been through something. Something. Yeah, and he doesn't really fess up, but Mm-mm. um, it's clear something happened. So, Hag- Hagrid in this chapter is eventually going to tell our trio pretty much everything about what he's been doing. But only because they seem to have figured it out anyway. And this is not the first time this has happened with Hagrid and, and these kids, where 
he's supposed to be coy about like some pertinent information, but he ends up spilling the beans to to these kids. Is Hagrid just not good at keeping secrets? Or do Harry, Ron, and Hermione just kind of figure out things so Hagrid feels like there's no use in lying to them? Bit of both. Mm. He's awful at secrets. We've known this for a while. Um, But the kids have kind of figured out how to make it even worse. How to get more... Got how to get more out of him quicker and kind of, I mean, I kind of see it. If they already know, then he's not really spilling the beans because mm-hmm. they already know. Thing is, though, if they already know, there's, you got to to think that there's some other folks that already know as well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of come up, come to that toward the end of the chapter here. And I've I've said this before. But kind of off topic, when Hagrid talks for exp- extended periods of time in the book, I knew it's you were a not going to be happy. It's a bit hard for me to follow with like the odd contractions that J.K. Rowling uses, especially. Is it just me? Am I just being picky about it? No, I can't imagine that it's easy for most people. Um, I think in my head, I just have to hear his voice mm-hmm. from the movies. And how he talks there, and you can, but I mean, it's even worse than that in the books. And there was one spot I had to stop and read twice. I was like, "Wait, what? No, what's this part? Is this fur is supposed to refer to which thing?" Mm-hmm. It was like I think there was two furs or ers together. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute!" It's like a Nelly song. <laughs> Let me break this down. <laughs> like you know, we love our Nelly here in St. Louis. And everything, Love Nelly. and it's her buddy, her buddy, and her instead of here. So we like we like our ers and er and ers and here in St. Louis, just like we like our toasted ravioli and our gooey uh, butter cake, gooey butter cake, and our uh, thinly sliced pizza covered with Provel cheese, that good plastic cheese. Mmm, mmm. Mm. Anastasia knows what we're talking about. She got some of that when she came into town. It's all right. She said, it's fine. It's okay. Uh, so Hagrid is icing down his head wounds with a flank of dragon steak. Yeah. Not making things any less gross here. Because it's like bloody and gooey and dripping. and. Well, that's not even the part that, that got me. It was kind of weird to me because Hagrid is so fond of dragons. And all magical creatures, in fact. You'd think he'd be like a vegetarian or something. Hmm. I never really thought of Hagrid's dietary preferences. But, I mean, he's always, like, just, he's always got, like, meat juice, like, dripping down his, his beard, like, at the, in the great, in the great hall, and now he apparently has dragon steaks in, in the freezer. But it just kind of seems weird to me, like, like, I love dogs. I wouldn't not have dog steaks in my freezer. And Hagrid loves dragons. I don't know. I guess it's just you never ne- never thought about that, right? Ne- I've never thought of it. But I, and then I thought that maybe like the half giant part of him. Yeah, that's where I was just go like with can't it. like. It's like a vampire. Like you I have to it. have blood, so I'm gonna like I have to have blood, so I don't feel good about it. So I'm gonna kill these bad guys. <laughs> And try to be, like, the best vampire I can be. But Hagrid's like, well, I gotta have some meat. 
And, I mean, if this dragon's going to die anyway, might as well... And I was just thinking more of lines, along the lines that he didn't kill it. He, like, went to the store <laughs> and got it or the, the market the or wherever. CVS or whatever. Yeah, and picked up some dragon. But aren't dragons kind of rare? Like, well, I would think, like, dragon meat would be, like, a delicacy. Yes. But, you know, he's big into the, like, dark black market of That's stuff. That's true. But if it was something that rare, I th- would think he would use a different type of meat to, like, slap on his face. Maybe he doesn't have anything. Just all dragon? Just got all, just just all, got dragon. all dragon flanks in there? Mm-hmm. He wants one of those tents, like, at the well, that they been, set up at the mall, and they've got the... He's been you know gone for about? months. He didn't leave with a fully stocked fridge. You know the tents I'm talking about at the mall where they set up and they've got, like, the, they sell steaks in there? And apparently they're just like super low quality like beef. Of course. But you can get like a lot of steak for like a little bit of money. So apparently uh, Hagrid just has uh, dragon meat. It's the only around. thing left in his freezer. Uh, Hagrid is shocked about what's been going on while he's gone. Harry being attacked by Dementors. Harry near- nearly being expelled. Yes, that's the other part of it they like. Teased him with mm-hmm. information. Yeah, we can trade you and then t- information. Offer trade. But it's the kids that really want to know what Hagrid's been up to. So Hagrid starts to spill the beans. And we hear the tale of Hagrid and Madame Maxime heading on a journey into the mountains, basically trying to recruit the giants to Dumbledore's side before the Death Eaters can do the same. And it takes them about a month to get to to their destination because they're not allowed to use magic, right? No port keys, no... Flu powder, nothing like that. Hagrid's not allowed to use magic at all, ever. He didn't graduate from Hogwarts. And his wand was snapped. But what's uh, Dumbledore's theory about no magic? There's there's several kind of layers to it here. Um, Well, even before that, they have to kind of pretend that they're going on holiday together Mm -hmm. and that, oh, he's going to go see her school and then they're just going to go around the country yeah. and you know do some sightseeing they have to set up a whole backstory yeah and they have to lose the person that's tailing them yeah. first because they know that there's somebody from the ministry watching them and that's another reason why hagrid specifically can't use magic because he if the ministry caught him using magic that's another you know like just give him a reason and it's not just the ministry it's death eaters as well that were worried about you know, kind of following them or attacking them or, or whatever. So it's like kind of a multifaceted trip that they have to re- really take their time and kind of slow and steady is going to win the race on this. Once they lose the ministry person tailing them, they do use a little bit of magic here and there. Mm-hmm. Probably mostly to just put then put distance so they don't get back on the trail or mm-hmm. catch up with them or whatever. They want to put a big chunk of distance between them. But then, yeah, after that, then they're worried about the Death Eaters that are kind of on the same mission as them. So we finally reach the Giants' campground, and there's only about 80 left. So how did this kind of near extinction of the Giants happen? Wizards, humans, um, not humans that they pose a threat to Giants, but just taking over inhabitable space, Mm -hmm. you know. And then the wizards that live amongst the humans, they're the ones that pose the threats to the giants. So they've basically been pushed out 
and into small unwanted areas that humans don't want to humans and wizards don't want to inhabit but they're not good at living together mm -hmm. so partly it's the the wizards that you know harmed killed chased away the giants mm -hmm. and part is then they were too close quarters and they fought amongst themselves and they felt like they had to be close quarters because their numbers were dwindling so much and they needed to for they needed for protection mm -hmm. but it's kind of a double-edged sword because they don't do well <laughs> in groups like that well even humans would do well crammed together especially if they're from different backgrounds they said that there were different clans and then the clans had rivalries mm -hmm. and i mean automatically think of like game of thrones where there are human clans mm. and different uh kingdoms that fight against each other constantly and they can't they can't get along when forced to into small spaces i mean everything you describe there really makes me think of like endangered animals you know a lot of times we we take up the inhabitable space you know we a lot of times we're, we're cutting down for example like uh uh, pandas, you know, there apparently there's, you know, there's so many people living in that part of the world, they need more room for houses and, and housing and things like that. And so there's a lot of like deforestation going on. There's a lot of uh, the habitats being taken away. There's a lot of roads being built where they weren't, weren't used to. And a lot of the, you know, animals that live there are start the numbers start to dwindle. And then when you take, when you add to it, like poachers and things like that, especially like in Africa, you know, a lot of the animals that are coming up on the endangered and threatened list is a result of, of poaching, which is kind of similar to what the wizards were doing to the giants. They didn't have any reason other than they just didn't want them to exist in the world with them because they felt threatened by them. So I'm sure they were there. I'm sure there were many wizards that just went out and hunted giants for big game. You know, kind of similar to like uh, what was it? What was it? The uh, the Jimmy John's guy who had the <laughs> who had like the big you know tiger or whatever. Tiger, lion he, head. Yeah, something like that. So I mean, there's a lot of parallels between that and what we see with endangered and eventually extinct animals in our world, and that's just another example of how. These books, you I know, mean, we talked about like the political comparisons, but like even like the ecological comparisons here, there can be something to be said between the giants and, you know, animals we have in our world. All of those comparisons are accurate, but I went a different direction. In my head, I was thinking, I guess I was more focused on them being forced into land that the humans and the wizards didn't want. Mm -hmm. So I thought more of like Native Americans mm -hmm. and how we were like, mm, no. The settlers want this land. You got to go. You yeah. can go over there. We don't like that. It's like, part. or we can kill you. Or kill you. It's yeah. fine. Obviously, I'm not insinuating that Native Americans then killed each other like the giants. But, but you don't, it I mean, was you, just you, the, the land that nobody wanted. You would think, think there, were there might have been some of that Squabbles because different tribes, tribes and things or... like that. Um, you know, especially if you have like a leader of one tribe and a leader of another tribe, and they're having to kind of share the same area, like who's going to be the leader of the, the new, like newly configured 
splendid tribe, you know, and we see that a little bit later on with with a change in leadership with the Giants as well. So I like, like I said, I kind of plead ignorance with that, but I would have to think that there would have to have been at least some of that just because of human nature. So uh, Dumbledore has given Hagrid and Madame Maxime specific instructions on how to approach the Giants. Bring gifts. Hold your gifts up high. You only look at the big boss, and you hope they don't eat you. Yeah. Seems simple enough. Very so, well explained. Simple so, instructions. So Hagrid and Madame Maxine show up. They leave the gift. It's an ever-burning branch. Apparently something Dumbledore has enchanted that will never go out. Um, how do you pack an ever-burning branch for a, a month-long trip? Foil? I don't know. You just wrap it in foil? Yeah, just wrap it in foil. Okay. Well, I imagine that, like, it, like, smolders, and then when you open up oh, is that the what container, you then it, like, sparks back imagine? to life. Okay. So you're just that is what stuff I imagine. No, that's what I imagined. It's a plot hole that I'm exposed, and you're trying to. You know, the fill plot hole I was worried about is generally it's accepted that once a wizard dies, their enchantment doesn't work anymore. Mm hmm. So what if Dumbledore died and then would it be ever burning? But then there are enchantments on the school that the, like the founders put on there mm -hmm. and those lasted after their death. So I guess there must be different levels. Some that are more permanent and some that are not. I'm just thinking that they that Hagrid had to carry this stick, this burning stick in the air everywhere he went. Um, but he couldn't have done that when they first left because... One out of John Mortensen? Probably. It's a plot hole. Although they were doing a lot of like roughing it and camping, so they were also hanging would... out in bars and getting in fights with vampires too. Yeah, I don't. I, that felt weird. I'm like, you why probably did just, we need to you probably said, dude, I got this stick. It's on fire. Don't mess with don't me. Don't mess with me, bro. Maybe. Who knows? I think it's a plot hole. But I'm you sure. think you, you just sure thinks you, just thinks you could just wrap it in foil like you're. Cooking corn on the cob. He's a very smart man. I'm sure he devised a carrying case. I'm for sure. It. I'm sure he did too. Uh, so they, like I said, they leave the gift. They go back the next day with an indestructible helmet as another gift, and actually talk to the big boss of the giants this time and tell their situation. And they seem to be getting a pretty positive reaction. So we're off to a good start here. Good start. And that night, everything kind of goes wrong, doesn't it? Yep. What happened? Somebody else thinks that they should be in charge. There's a fight, breaks out. And um, the leader of the, trolls, of the giants that was in charge gets his head ripped off mm -hmm. and thrown in the lake. Yep. We don't mention what happened to the rest of them. Like. Just mm -hmm. lying around. What happened? Mm -hmm. Um, but there were several like inconsistencies in this little. And I'm guess I'm gonna chalk it up to Hagrid and his exa tendency to exa exaggerate mm -hmm. because he said that some of the trolls. Because they asked him how. Is it trolls again? Giants. Some the kids asked him how big they were, and he said, "Oh, 20 feet easy." And then he said, "Oh, maybe 25 for the biggest one." Then he said that he knew who the leader was because he was the biggest one. Then he said that 
he was like 22 feet. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have his tape measure. So and then he's trying to he said it. the other one was bigger. So we were just kind of all over the place with that. But I'm Maybe gonna... it was hard to tell because he was sitting maybe sitting down yeah. like on a throne or something. Big old belly hanging out. Yeah. It's kind of hard to, to eyeball, especially from far away. I just he was exaggerating. Is it 50 feet? The biggest Easy. one. Easy. So, kind of all this positive energy that we had, we're going to have to start from scratch because we've got a new leader now. And even with the change in giant leadership, though, even though Hagrid and Maxine know that the new leader probably isn't going to be as receptive as the old one, they still go back and present a roll of dragon hide as their third gift. But even before they can hand the gift off, Hagrid is hanging by his feet and looks to be in terrible danger. Not good. Especially not good because what does Madame Maxime have to do? I understand that they were in danger, but she probably should have, like, tried to talk their way out of it just a little bit. Just take another second. Mm -hmm. Another two minutes. I don't know. Maybe they were going to rip him in half. But, yeah, she whips her wand out and uses magic against them. And that's a big no-no. The thing that, you know, makes them hate wizards Mm -hmm. and makes them fear wizards is the magic. Sure. Obviously, a giant could outmatch a human any day. But you throw magic in the mix, and it, it just changes the balance. You know, Superman doesn't like magic. That's like one of his big weaknesses, other than kryptonite. Yeah. So, I would think, like, Ron could take Superman. Probably. If he... It's just always been, like, a weird thing in the Superman comics that... I don't. I guess they thought that maybe he was too invulnerable. He is. He's like too overpowered. He is. And so we need to have something else, like more of an Achilles heel than just kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, apparently he doesn't do well with, with magic. And I don't know why. They never explain it. Because it's magic. But, like, Batman does better with magic than Superman does. I don't It's, it's I the guess. logic. You can fight it with logic. I guess. But uh, things get even worse when Death Eaters show up. And the Death Eaters start to seem to be making some positive progress in establishing a relationship with the new giant big boss. But Hagrid isn't giving up. Because he's going to try to recruit the giants who were opposed to the new leadership. Who are currently hiding out in caves after getting beat up in the big brawl. Yeah, I mean, clearly this all happened because they showed up. The leader was favorable to it and there were some other giants that were not favorable to it we're not working with them and or maybe they'd already been approached by the death eaters in secret and had already been swayed to their side Mm -hmm. and they knew we have to uh change the leader to get what we want so this kind of all happened because of hagrid Mm -hmm. showing up and well, even that plan turns to mush when the new big boss raids the caves and takes out a lot of the dissenters. So, not really what we're hoping for. Nope. Was it? Nope. I mean, Hagrid's kind of still hopeful. He's like, well, at least... He's like, um, you never know. We got the message out. We'll... We'll... Or even if, like, Voldemort and the Death Eaters start bullying him a little too much, mm-hmm. they might be like, hey, well, well, we'll go see that other guy. Apparently, they... There's a lot of the the giants that know that Dumbledore's always been an advocate for them. Mm-hmm. So there's 
There's at least something. But Harry, Ron, and Hermione still want to know how Hagrid got the snot beat out of him. And he can't really tell that story because we've got a visitor, don't we? Hit him! Hit him! So, uh, Umbridge is here, Jessica. Wonder what she wants. What is she doing? Why is she up in the middle of the night peering out at Hagrid's hut? Well, Hagrid is was supposed to be a teacher this year. Yeah, and who kind of just, just, kinda no just show didn't no. show up for work. So, if you just show up all of a sudden after you haven't been there for a while, the principal's probably going to knock on your door and see what's going on. I feel like Dumbledore would have at least had to make some excuse for him. Yeah, that's kind of weird that Dumbledore wouldn't just say, Oh, he's taking a sabbatical, you know. Or he's got he's got a lot of sick days saved up. Yeah. Wants to use them. Him and Madame Maxine. Yeah, they're in love, yeah. you know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? They're in love. Maybe he's going to work at her school now. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Dumbledore's just been like a... Especially in this book. It reminds me of the, the Harry's trial. He He popped in. He popped out. Yeah, popped in because he had to. Doing and saying as little as possible. Yes. And making himself, you know, visible as little vis- as little visibly as possible, too. It's just been, he's got some kind of strategy to it that he thinks that if he minimizes his exposure to, to everything, that's going to help plans go better further down the line. He's always, always thinking, you know, three mm-hmm. steps ahead about everything. Well, when we get the knock on the door, Hermione drops and breaks her mug. The kids have to scurry under the invisibility cloak. Hagrid has to hide the rest of the mugs. And Hagrid gets to meet Dolores Umbridge for presumably the first time? Yeah. Well, he knew who she was. Knew of her. Knew of her. He didn't recognize her on sight, which if you had met her before, you would. Because she's very... (laughs) And she's little and she, you know... Dressed all in pink all the time. You know, it's not like you could forget. But Hagrid is not caught up to date on anything about what she's been doing the last few months, has has he? And I was kind of like, oh, why didn't you guys tell him about that? But there Mm -hmm. was so much to talk about. So Hagrid doesn't... Hagrid just knows that Umbridge... Hey, you work for the Ministry, don't you? Like, what what are you doing here? Oh, I'm the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher now. Oh, that's very brave of you. Oh, and I'm like the head lord, undersecretary of labor discussion, blah, blah, blah for Hogwarts now. And Hagrid's like, the what, the what, and the what? She's the high inquisitor. He, she was the undersecre- head undersecretary, which I kind of feel like is, I don't know, because I'm not British, but I kind of feel like it's like not that cool of a title. Mm. Like, they make it sound like it's a cool title. But if you're just, like, the head of the secretaries... <laughs> Pretty good. Then... Make all the other secretaries do all the work. But she is secretary to ministers, so I guess... She's the head secretary. Yeah, so Hagrid doesn't even know what that means. Uh, Hermione kind of fills him in on it a little bit. But uh, I guess the Umbridge does say that, you know, that she's... She's inspecting all inspecting, of the, yeah. the teachers and evaluating them. Uh, Umbridge knows something is up. The broken mug, hearing Hagrid talking inside the cabin, three sets of footprints in the snow, leading to the cabin but not going away from the cabin. She She also kind of knows he's been somewhere. Well, Uh, she knows he's been somewhere. He didn't show up to work. 
Where have you been? What have you been doing? Did you go to the mountains? She insinuates that he spent some time in the mountains. Yes. So and the to kids me, are not the only ones who put that together. Yeah, to me, this these this couple of paragraphs here, it really kind of it's it's scary how aware Umbridge is of everything, and it really adds to the fear factor of her character. Mm-hmm. Because she's not just mean, and she's not just rude, and she's not just inconsistent with her punishments. But she is very knowledgeable. She obviously has lots of ends with lots of people. And that makes her very scary to me. You know, I always do the the question at the beginning of whenever we do a trivia event somewhere. And it's an opinion question. I always put up, and it's kind of it's kind of started as a joke, like, Who's scarier? I put up a picture of Voldemort and a picture of Umbridge. And I have kind of started to think that there is a correct answer to this. Because Umbridge, to me, is way scarier than Voldemort. Well, it's pretty widely accepted that that's the correct answer. Mostly because she could be real. Mm -hmm. I mean, put the magic aside. There are people like that in the world. Um, I think another thing that shows here is... She's, like you said, she's very aware. I feel like a lot of villains, they're smart and they're cunning, but they also still come off clueless. Like, they kind of underestimate yeah. the the hero or yeah. the others. She's not underestimating. Mr. Bond, I'm going to explain my whole plan to you and now that I've caught you in a precarious situation that there's no way you can escape from, even though there's been, like, 25 James Bond movies. Yeah. But she's not like that. No. She is on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And seems to only be gaining more influence and power, mm-hmm. which makes her even scarier. And like like I said, the, the scene where she reaches into the, the fireplace mm-hmm. when but does uh, the woman Sirius ever sleep? is there. I mean... <sighs> she must not sleep. Because she's yeah. always up in the middle of the night when the kids are doing things. And then she's got to teach class all mm-hmm. day. And then she's got to inspect all of her people and keep up on all the latest sensitive information and get all the tips from everybody but this this couple of paragraphs here with the with the discussion between umbridge and hagrid that was really kind of like goosebump inducing to me like Mm -hmm. i I thought she was she very well written as a as a scary villain and and it's not like a horror movie villain where they're all dressed in black and they wear a mask she is like presented the exact opposite of that. Yeah, kind of grandma-y, auntie. Which I mean, even adds to the short and tiny yeah, and kind of adds to the fear factor. For very me. un unassuming. unassuming yeah, very. I wouldn't say domineering, but um, like not not a very impressive looking, you know, presentation. But I think but, that's also part of it yeah. because she's probably very um, underestimated. Mm-hmm. So she knows what she could get away with. And that's, so that might be part of her part of her logic too. With. You know, you, you see the you know the sweet exterior on the outside, but there is an evil, evil soul inside there that I think is, you know, as much as people, you know, hate the character, they hate it for they hate the character for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what that character is supposed to be. That character is supposed to be the the horror movie villain that that you don't expect to be that scary and is. You expect Voldemort to be that scary. He doesn't even have a nose. Mm-hmm. So, 
and he just pow pow kills people like it's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, she's what she's doing. You can't see. Mm-hmm. And, and she does a lot of a lot of emotional and uh, you know torture and psychological and, and things like that. And she breaks you down, you know, to a level where you you just have to either submit to it or get out of her way. So I I really, as much as people talk about, oh, oh, I hate that character. That's that's exactly what she wanted you to do. Mm -hmm. It's not like I hate that character, I wish they would go away. It's I hate that character because of how evil they are. And, And I think that is one of the best compliments you could give to an author, honestly. On the other side of that conversation, I was rather proud of Hagrid. He didn't blunder it too badly i mean it wasn't great no it wasn't great but he got through it mm-hmm. it probably helped him that he didn't really know about her so that wasn't that added anxiety to oh my god she could ruin my life and mm-hmm. i could mess everything up by saying the wrong thing but he got through it and i was like like you were saying you had the goosebumps so i was kind of like oh don't don't say something bad don't mm-hmm. say something bad okay okay that works that works you could say that there was a one time where she mentioned, it might have been when she mentioned the mountains and his like beard quivered a little bit or something like mm-hmm. that. Or maybe that was when the kids mentioned the giants. And yeah, I thought he handled the mountain thing really well. Yeah, there was, was like mountains. it might have been the, it might have been when the kids mentioned the, the giants, his beard quivered a little bit, which I guess is like his eye twitch, uh, version of his eye twitch, like, uh, when he's bluffing in poker. He's probably got the beard quiver. Uh, the kids are happy to have Hagrid back, but Hermione is super worried that it won't be for long, unless Hagrid changes some things, right? Right. She tried to, you know, very limited time, they need to get back to the castle, but basically tried to get in and convince him that his lessons need to be very boring and very bland, don't do anything that, you know, she might think is dangerous or whatever and I, I loved the line at the end there where she was like well I'll come back tomorrow if I didn't convince him I'll write his lessons for I'll write his lessons myself if I have to like she she doesn't want Hagrid is already saying oh I've got some cool stuff coming I've got some cool animals for you no we we need like flobber worms we need stuff mm-hmm. we need basic 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 stuff dude we, we 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 need to keep you out of trouble we need to keep you under the radar. We need to keep your head down. We don't need to be drawing attention. We don't need another hippogriff Draco, you know, situation to happen. So, yeah, Hermione is a little worried, especially since Hagrid just doesn't seem like it's not. He he's not really worried about it. How bad she is. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Oh yeah. Over time, and that's the end of chapter twenty, Hagrid's tale. Here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer as we go through Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. I do have a quick email. What? Um, it's not so much a question or a comment. It's kind of just like uh, our emailer was is like working on his tight five at the Comedy Shack. Oh. Uh, so. Joke. Uh, ish. Okay. So uh, this one comes. A zinger. Uh, uh, it's a zinger. It's a zinger. It's a zinger. Uh, this one comes to us from Raymond in San Antonio. Hey, Raymond. Sent to us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. Let me say that again. Broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. 
And Raymond writes, so I guess Professor Quirrell was a side sleeper during Harry's first year at Hogwarts? I don't have one of those. I got to do this. Hot day. Oh, I like that. So, first book, Professor Quirrell's got the Dark Lord living in the back of his turban. Um... I'm guessing, yeah, he was either, if they were going, you know, 50-50, there probably was a slide, side sleeper, but I'm guessing that Voldemort probably made Quirrell sleep on his stomach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah. If I had to guess. He got, I don't know, some kind of, like, oh, zap. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe tonight we could sleep on our side, and that way we could both breathe. No. 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 You're a stomach sleeper now. So, I like it. Raymond in San Antonio. There you go. Little zinger. Uh, you can always send us your zingers or questions or comments, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com or on Twitter at broomsticksb. That's broomsticks followed by the letter B, no spaces, no underscores. Or on Facebook, you can uh, follow us there and send us messages there and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Jess, is there anything else you want to add about chapter 20 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? Yes. Okay. Um, I just want to point out, uh, there's like a whole thing where they talk about the three main characters and how their reactions to things differ for, you know, uh, Harry grew up not knowing anything about magic and just came to Hogwarts. Ron, who grew up with magic. Hermione, who didn't grow up with magic, but has learned everything she can about it. Um, when Hagrid was telling his story, when it first started, Ron was just like, flabbergasted you didn't use magic you had to travel like muggles mm-hmm. and um that just caught in my head because of that whole little thing where they have to respond differently yeah. to things there's a very interesting dichotomy between the three of them it kind of really well balances out the group mm-hmm. uh, based on their life experiences up to this point they can kind of fill in the holes and fill in the gaps in each other's uh life education up to this point based on what they've uh, experienced which is it, which is really cool which kind of makes them the perfect group mm-hmm. honestly i just like wanted to throw that out there for the people who kind of follow those arcs mm-hmm. of differences between the three nice very nice i didn't, didn't even think about that so i appreciate that and we appreciate you listening downloading and subscribing spread the word for us leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're using we would really 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 appreciate it And we will be back next time with Chapter 21 of Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. Until that time, be a wizard, be a witch, be a muggle, be a squib, but don't be a jerk. Or a git. I'm Dan Rhino. This is Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you next time. Bye.